Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lan and here in Big Sky, Montana. And Lou is home. I am home. That's right. Good morning. Well, you're not Big home. I'm in Massachusetts. Yeah. You're in you're in Massachusetts. Yeah. And and I am not. And <laughs> that's a perfect part of why we're doing the show today about self-care. I'm doing self-care. So the whole topic today is self-care and conveniently you and I've just had a 15 minute conversation on you needing self-care because apparently you were told that you might drop dead any second because your blood pressure is too high. Apparently. I didn't, no, I never had any blood pressure issues before. Well, you have different circumstances these days. <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, is, can it be, can blood high blood pressure be ang mainly anxiety produced? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you go from having none, no issue, and then all of a sudden, well, either that or it's old age, Lou. I mean, you are getting old. But to be honest, I haven't had my blood pressure taken in about five years, but still. You know, but still, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it could be. I mean, there's a lot of different issues, but typically, if you haven't had a blood pressure issue, then all of a sudden it pops up. I mean, there could be other things, but given it's funny. I go through. I do what everyone. I did what everyone does. I research. You know, you sit there. I'm in the I'm in the office while they're waiting to take a couple of blood pressure readings, and I'm online researching it, which I'm sure they get all the time. And it's like, hmm, uh, what do you need to do? Lose weight? Okay, I've lost weight recently. Uh, exercise? I've been exercising my brains out recently. <laughs> it's like, geez, I'm doing everything right. What's the big deal? Well, maybe because you're saying recently might be part of that issue. Is that recently? May you know it because you said you hadn't had your blood pressure done in five years, maybe that was really going on during that time. And the fact that you just lost more weight and you've been exercising more you know, feverishly that maybe that's actually, you know, mixed up in all of that. Yeah. Now seeing you get me going there, it's been a couple months and I've been going pretty hard for a couple months. I've been doing well. That's awesome. That's very good. Well, there's, I was saying to you, Lou, that there are some natural ways also like, you know, just some holistic kind of herbal things that you can do to bring it down internally as well that we can talk about. Are any of them alcoholic in, in nature? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, those will actually make it go up higher in short term. No, but in long term, it will make it worse. Yep. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But you, you know, you, you do your, you do your whiskeys and your bourbons right? Yeah, um, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, like two, three drinks a week, maybe. About <laughs> it. What? What are you laughing at? I'm laughing because I just know that you like plowed through that bottle I gave you for Christmas. <laughs> I didn't, first of all, there's two of us drinking it. <laughs> oh, sure. I don't, I don't know if plowed through it is the verb we want to use here. And I'm just picking on you. But I, anyways, I think that your self-care issue is predominantly your situational issue that you were talking to me about. And tons of times when people have those issues and that creates the blood pressure issue or the tension that you have in your body. And, you know, unlike mine, which is, you know, just every day, go, 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 you know, which is also, I mean, you have that as well, but I have that too. Yeah. I was gonna say you have that as well, but maybe a little different way because you know how I jump from fifteen different ways to Sunday for day to day things. So, yep. but self care being the topic of the day is that I'm in Big Sky, Montana, not because I'm on on business. I'm, this is the only business related thing I'm doing the whole time I'm here. See, this I've, is news to me. I thought this was a business trip. No, see, I'm good, huh? Yep. See, nope. This is the first time in. I'm going to say almost two years that I've actually taken a true vacation where I have not 
answered the phone. I'm not answering emails. I'm not answering text. I'm not, and I had been preemptively warning the world around me that it's coming and I am out of the office for the next two weeks. And so it's you're taking some of my advice. Don't answer the phone. Just, just don't am, answer the phone. Yes, because I'm notorious for going away and being on vacation. And then, you know, yeah. half the day is spent answering things or text or calls or scheduling or doing something. And I'm not doing that because it was stressing me out. And given the fact that, you know, I've had a massive death in my life in the past month and then the person's family member that was with me right a week later broke both of her ankles in front of me and then you know it's been one thing after another so this is perfect timing and it's a way to self-care because one it's some of my favorite things which is being able to meditate so taking care of the spiritual stuff which is meditation which is not the you know sitting there going oh it's about just being able to be mindful in the place that i love if it's not the beach it's the mountains so here i am in the mountains it is raining but that's okay and it is 30 degrees here which is quite i'm like all jacketed up and pants and gloves but it's Why still it 30 degrees are you at altitude or um it is cold here because it's cold here um nope. they've had a They've had 100, 100 degree days and, you know, it's very dry and it's had lots of fires, as you know, and they yep. still have, it's you know, fire threat all the time here. Um, but they all of a sudden, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of the smoke that's coming through from the fires and stuff. Um, they had a huge drop and I am not, well, I'm at 7,000 feet, 7,500 feet right here. And the top of the mountain above me is 11,000 feet. Like. Wow. Yeah. I'm at the base of the, of Lone Mountain. So, um, and then, and I'm having an interesting time adjusting to the breathing because I'm not having any trouble and I am asthmatic, but I'm very mindful in my meditative state to <laughs> breathe well so that I don't have, because someone, when I was downtown yesterday and they were saying, like all these people were talking about how they had 6,500, they're at 6,500 feet down downtown and there were people who had gone into the emergency room because they couldn't breathe. I'm thinking, wow. So I knew I was going to be okay because I'd been in in uh, Switzerland a few years back for a couple of weeks, and I was at very I was at Zermatt and going up to you know high high altitudes, and I didn't have any yep. issue. But still, being meditative and being able to um, sit with nature and hike and look for I'm looking for the moose. <laughs> I'm looking for the moose. I thought of that this morning. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be so good. I'm gonna get my moose before Lucy's his. I know, right? I know. Wow. Well, and then the, the tour guide up the hill was saying, because we were going hiking, and he was saying, Oh, he's like, Oh, the moose, you gotta go really in in towards Yellowstone. So guess where I'm going today? In towards Yellowstone, yeah. Yeah, because I'm gonna go find my my bison, my elk, my moose, my my mountain goats, and maybe a grizzly or two. <laughs> Which Hopefully I not. that I will find from a distance. So I'm very excited about that. Well, unless the moose wanders onto Plum Island, I don't think I'm going to see him this summer. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> unless you go somewhere, which would be yeah. good for self-care. I think you need a break. Yep. So the importance of vacations. See, this is I'm a big proponent of vacations. And therefore... I think everyone should have them. And it doesn't mean that you have to go away to some elaborate, extravagant place. It means that you can just go, you know, down the street. You can take your staycations, even though it's the pandemic still. Um, there's other ways to figure out how to take a little break from 
day-to-day life and make sure you're taking, you know, like an emotional vacation or a physical vacation or a spiritual vacation on a daily. And I mean, I do that. And that I think that that's one of the reasons why it was good to just take a full vacation because sometimes you just need to go away. And this morning I woke up very early at five o'clock or four 30 or something thinking I had a huge to-do list because <laughs> I was, you know, it's always going, it's always going, but, but you know, the, the typical self-care things that are so important because, you know, it, helps your blood pressure. It regulates your sleep. It regulates your weight. It makes you eat better most of the time, except for <laughs> yesterday. Right. There's a bakery here. Mm. I stayed Uh-oh. away. Yeah. I stayed away. Oh. I was there this morning, but I didn't do anything, but I looked. Vacation is a good, but if you haven't got the mindset to be able to put yourself in that you know, we'll use the term today because we've been using it today, meditative state on a daily basis, vacations even become hard because, listen, there's a lot of travel, there's a lot of expenditure, a lot of stuff going on, and you can just stay in that mode even in the vacation. So it becomes important to learn the skill of being able to put everything down, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that, I think that's one of the hardest things that like when I'm, when I talk to people about like taking their vacations and they come back and talk about is how hard it was to be able to really put things down or that they put things down. And by the time it was four or five days in is when they really felt calm, but yeah. then they were ramping back up to come back. So they only got like a quick little transition of a, of a day or two. And then they were right back at it, which is why I didn't take one week. Yeah. They just get settled into the vacation and then they're dealing with the TSA. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that that's, I think that that's not as uncommon experience. I mean, most people will report if they're, you know, more type A, which, you know, this is what we're really talking about, you know, more type A personalities is going off and, and being able to really unwind and then let go. And then, and then four days in, you know, like, oh, now you're going to start thinking about I'm leaving in three days and ramping back up to um, going back to that. But that's a muscle and a skill you develop incrementally like anything else, right? You just say, if you can get yourself in a position where for an hour, I'm just not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to look at social media. I'm just going to sit here and do what I like doing, whether it be sitting on the back porch, you know, or whatever it is. Like like tonight, I'll sit down for the first half of the Patriots game. And it's like, that's all I'm doing, you know, for that time. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to sit down, shut down, watch the Patriots game. It's going to be it. Well, and, and I think that, when you can do that, which I think is, you know, that's part of the strategy of getting better at doing it is doing little incremental pieces at a time. Many times, well, you know, this, what will happen is when people say, I'm going to take and do 15 minutes of this, what happens is the to do list gets in the way of like, oh, well, I'll do this later. So instead of doing what you want for yourself, you do something else for someone else or something else, or it gets in the way, you know, it's, it's that, you know, thinking about, um, you know, it, it, I call it think, block, do. So you think what you want for yourself, you block it out for yourself, and then you do it. But what happens is you, you, people do think, then the block doesn't happen, right? Block gets overrun, and then the doing happens, but it's not for the thing that you were blocking for. So, so T, T, B, D, think, block, do. How many times do you see people that you know need this? And I'm always reminded of you were just on a plane. The, the stewardess tells you at the beginning, if there's a problem, put your mask on first, then tend to your right. kids. And that should be the way things go with your life in general. Put your mask on first, because once you're diminished, 
you you're you have less capacity to even take care of those things and it's a matter of making sure that you're enough of a priority so that you can block out those times and give yourself a little bit of a break well and i it, yes and to that point i think that one of the driving forces to the topic of the show today was your your cup can't be empty and if your cup is empty you can't be doing for others and so and if you're doing for others to fill your cup up, that cup is always being drained. Yeah. So you've got to, and, and I think, you know, you have to, you, like you said, deficit, you have to be at, you know, a constant movement forward for your own cup to be filled. And you can't do it by helping all other people all of the time, um, which is a hazard of my job, right? So yeah. being able to do that, and, and I can't tell you how many people will say when I said, oh, I'm going away and I won't be around, I won't be available to talk for X amount of time, people were like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you've got to fill your cup up on your own because I'm got to recharge. And um, when you're a helper or when you're, you know, a giver, it, that's very draining. And, and I, you know, try to practice what I preach. So here I am doing that to make sure that I'm not deficited to be able to help other people, but people do get that deficit. And that's largely in part to the socialization we have. We get socially normed that self-care is selfish. And right. that is true. It's self-care is not selfish. And going back to a couple of weeks ago, when, when our friend that joins us oftentimes online, um, your friend, he, yes. come, you know, what's the difference between hygiene, you know, mental health and mental hygiene, you know, it's the hygiene portion of taking care of yourself that you're taking that 15 minute block or, or a vacation block of a week or two, or daily something, you know, going out and having your coffee in the woods. <laughs> Yeah. your house or at the beach or something so that you're not depleted and you're not go, 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 which was happening to me. Yeah. And some people it's involuntary. Some people just do and do and do because for whatever that's and often cases in those cases, that's how they build their self-worth being worth worthwhile to someone else. Right. Builds their self-esteem. But there are right. some people and I think I'm among them where a lot of it is involuntary in that you just uh, there's a just you soak it up empathetically you see someone else suffering and you just take it on you see someone else angry and you just take it on and it's just like their energy becomes your energy right and i i think there are a lot of people in that boat where they're just so susceptible to outside energies and and they have to buy into it and that's something you have to learn to rein into well and and i and so so the difference between so and correct me if i'm wrong so that because when you have empathy you actually can have a good buffer, which I think is what keeps, you know, people to be able to do like the stuff that I do, like, at, you know, in their healthy bubble. When you start getting the mix of empathy with sympathy and you take on someone's anger, you take on their sadness, you take on their stress and all those things. That's when you've lost the, the full boundary to being able to understand someone's feelings or situation from afar versus sympathy, which is you're joining them in their stuff because you're pulled in because it's so intense or there's so much invested in it, or you have skin in the game, essentially. So if you increase your empathy, you have a better way to uh, detach from it rationally or logically. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. The more empathetic you are, the better you have the ability to stay focused, um, not lose yourself in the other side, not get pulled by the emotional, you know, you're able to respond more than you are reactive because you're yeah. not emotionally pulled. And so, but when you have, you know, when you have a full, a full stress load, 
it's very hard at that point when you do you know, you've had it so long and the patterns there so long that you have to take a recharge or else you cross over into that sympathy line because everything impacts you. That's one of those things that you're very susceptible to as a child, I would think, because if you come from a, a conflicted household, a chaotic household, uh, and you're swimming in that environment all the time, you tend to, you just, you either tend to get really averse to it. You know, that was the thing for me. I had a very conflict-based household, and so yeah. I'm very conflict-averse. Right. Yes, absolutely. And so, because it's all, your your body is always in in psychology, we call it the general adaptation syndrome. It's gas. You have gas. Yeah. So that means that you're always on alert. So when you're in a chaotic situation, whether it's at home or work or both, or, you know, whether you're a kid or an adult, whatever it is, if you're constantly under the conflict, whatever that is, or chaos, your body is in desperate mode at times. Right. So yeah, fight or flight, fight or flight. And usually usually what happens if you have so much chaos or so much of that going on, you never actually come back to a baseline of calm. It just keeps, it's like a loop that never stops, that it just keeps looping around the cycle of being on alert all the time, yep. which is why people who have generalized anxiety disorder, right, are always gassy. You like that? <laughs> yes. Right? Because they're always they're always stuck in that loop because their body is sending the signal, which is creating the threat, which is then creating the threat, the thought that comes, then the, it's just that vicious loop that keeps going. So if someone doesn't know how to step away or doesn't feel that they have permission to step aside for themselves or feel like they have self-efficacy, which that belief that they could be okay, it will just go on and on forever, which of course raises blood pressure and, you know, eating disorders, you know, obesity or, or, or anorexia, yep. you know, obsessive compulsive disorders, anything that's anxiety based really comes out of that. And that's probably a lot of, probably typical to a lot of situations because you have societal obligations or uh, because you take time for yourself. Yes. There's a syndrome that that's selfish, but, people that you're withdrawing from to do that, quote unquote, withdrawing from to do that can sometimes take that as personal offense. Right. You know, Instead or of, right. you feel you're dropping your responsibilities because someone needs you feel someone needs your attention all the time. You can't take that time to go away. Exactly. And right. And that and if you're like I was raised in a household where I was, I was like, oh, this is going to get me in trouble, but it won't because, you know, you know why. But um, but the the guilt of, you know, the perception that's always put on you that, oh, you're going to be perceived as doing something wrong if you do something for yourself. Um, or it, it's not even implied. It's like, how could you do that for yourself? Because I'm right here and you need to take care of me. Right. That, that, that overarching thing all the time is, oh, don't, don't buy into that. And it's really hard for people not to buy into the guilt tripping and the, you know, the, um, the subtle, passive aggressive maneuvering that we get put into too. Sure. Because if you're, if you're getting that from someone within your inner circle, you know, family yep. member or worker, coworker, or whatever it is, someone within your inner circle, chances are that's their personality type. And you've been getting that constantly. So yes. you get into that general adaptation syndrome. Did I get yeah. that right? Yep. Yes. The gas, yep. you get gas, you get gas. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, and that, and actually, I mean, and they don't write, I haven't seen it written like this, but that's actually, you know, part of, I mean, that's gaslighting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. 
essentially, right? So even though they're not writing about it, and I haven't written about it like that, but that is essentially, you know, how it connects is that you have the, you know, the alert is always on and you're getting gaslit by someone who makes you feel guilty. Then, you know, we have that common phrase is, you know, no one can make you feel guilty. Well, true, you know, you, no one can make you feel guilty, but if you don't have the tools or coping strategies to walk it back and say, you know, as a little kid who only grows up with, you know, a person putting guilt on them or being passive aggressive and gaslighting them. Well, then when they're a teenager and adult, they don't have the ability because they don't know the coping strategies other than just give in, give in, give in. And that's overwhelming because that creates, it creates the gas. It creates that feeling all the time of being unhappy and stressed out and not feeling good. And, you know, I have, you know, clients that have that constant feeling of, you know, belly aches and, um, the, you know, it's like an arrange on a daily basis. Sometimes yeah. it's, and belly ache, and sometimes it's a four, but it really never goes below that to like a nothing belly ache, you know, because they're always in some flux of feeling guilty or ashamed or um, just and, miserable. And the ante keeps going up because you keep accepting a floor level as normal, right? Right. Because it's it's, it's like the frog in the water; the heat's going up all the time. Your discomfort is going up all the time. Your right. stress level is going up all the time, but it's going up in small increments. So you kind of accept it, like oh, okay, this is the way things are. Well, yeah. And, and so for instance, like I had a client the other day, right before I left was telling me about how he goes, you know, his anxiety has been through the roof for he's, he's very self-conscious about um, going out and self-conscious isn't the right word, but he's very conscientious about his, his worry still about the pandemic. He's one of the mm -hmm. clients that I've had that has really not left his home very much. And he, when he does, he still, it's like he wears the full like army gear of face masks yep. and et cetera. So his anxiety is really high. And the only thing that is relieving it is that he goes on like 20 mile bike rides. But the problem is, is like after two or three hours of the bike ride, he feels like he has to go on another one. And so he said to me, he's like, I'm going to have to bike ride all day <laughs> to be able to manage this. And, you know, so we're trying to strategize some other ways because he refuses to let go of the intensity around the mask, the, the contraption he's wearing. It's not just a mask, it's a contraption. And it's like how unhealthy that is. And cause he's so paranoid and it's based in, him listening to things as yeah. we know that are not healthy. And so is he, he a high risk guy? I no, mean, no. Okay. Yeah. So no, only in his head. Yeah. Only in but his head. You're exactly right. It, it, that's environment. That's just being fed stuff. And depending on what outlets you listen to, depending on, you know, where you interact, you know, you're right. getting fed a steady, uh, a steady diet of threat on this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so when you're having it reinforced all the time, if you don't step back from it and really get a good observing ego, you know, good observing position to say, okay, what's the reality here? What's rational? Um, and even when you do that, it, people can have that ability and then still not be able to step it back because the, that general addict, the gassing is so intense. It just sucks them back in because right. it's been reinforced, reinforced, reinforced that if you're not in fight or flight, it just reminded me of another client last week is that if they're not in fight or flight, they, you know, they'll say like, what will I do? <laughs> it's almost like, you know, this is the meta worry. I have to worry about worry about worry. Or if I don't, then I don't know how to manage my life without that. So I can't even imagine what it would be like. And so it gets incredibly intense. So going back to like self-care and vacation or staycation or something like that, that's really 
you know, for us, you and I, we it's like, oh, this is great. But for a lot of people, it's that's scary because it's hard to let go yeah. or to be able to say, okay, I'm going to allow my cup to be filled up um, without feeling guilty that somehow I'm neglecting someone else or not doing something else. It's just like, well, sometimes you have to let the, you have to take your hands off the steering wheel and let it go. Doesn't this get back to my challenge to a bit? I've, I've challenged everybody in this program to think about the happiest moments. Yes. Times when they've gone happy. And I guarantee you, your happiest moments are one where you accomplish this, where the whole noise flare went down when you disconnected from all the other worries in the back of the cave, the bear in the back of the cave, and yes. you're just in the moment doing what you're doing. Yes. And those were your happiest moments. I challenge you. You can't find a happy moment that didn't include that element. And what people think is they've lucked into it. Oh, that was a great trip because we just got here and it was great and everything. But right. you can create that on your own and, and people do it. Guys do it. with, And it, everyone thinks it's metaphysical and spiritual, but a round of golf can be that for a guy. You, you just get out on the course. I'll be honest. I just played the other day and it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But that's getting out on the course and everything else drops at that point. Okay. And you're just there doing that thing. And you're just uh, having interaction with the, you know, who else is in your foursome. Or, and, you know, well, it can be happy and calming moments because you just drop everything else. Well, so so that's just, you're just being present in your moment instead of yeah. being external to something else. So like going out for like I played a golf tournament on Monday before I left. And I hurt my arm, by the way. That's another story. But hurt your arm? Just, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about that after. Swing problem you, yourself, you hurt yourself. <laughs> I did hurt myself. Um, right towards the end of the tournament too. I was so mad. Um, but it's it's being present in that moment, and that's one of the best things a person can do for self care, like on the fly, is just center yourself. It's a really easy, quick technique of, like, you know, you pick one of your senses, you know, any one of your senses, and spend like a minute, one minute. That's all you need is one minute, full sixty seconds to just. Just be present, like either something you smell, you can see, you can focus on something you're hearing. And all of a sudden it takes your system that I'm talking about that goes into gas. It takes it and it just drops it into a calm mode, even if it's for that minute. And so your body starts going, oh, I like that. And you're creating it, which is saying, hey, you're being present. And so that's to the point that you, you know, going out on the golf course or, you know, if you can do four hours, great. If you're out there golfing or if you can just take the one minute. So really, yeah. So really quickly, I was on like the, I don't know, I want to say the 15th hole or something, probably 15th or 16th hole. And I was right in the middle of fairway, had a great drive the whole nine yards. And I came out with my five iron. <laughs> yeah. I lifted my head a little too soon because I heard something or something happened. And I came down really hard on the ball and oh, chunked yeah. it and reverb back on my right forearm because mm -hmm. okay. I pulled, I didn't pull with my left hard enough. And Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Not good. So I had to not play um, short game for the, almost the rest of the game and just do my drive and my putting. <laughs> Cause it was, <laughs> it was very painful. Yeah. yeah. I could so. play, a, I could play a four round with a five, five wood, a seven iron and a par. That's all I need. I mean, I carry all the clubs, but that's all I need. Oh my God, you're one of those. I could play, yeah, I could play the whole course. I have a friend that I play with. I don't know if he's listening today, but my friend Chris, the big joke that we always, he just plays with a three. That's it. A three, he'll putt with the three too. I'm like, he doesn't need a bag. He just puts, he does everything with a three. This so is like, where, um, this is a case where this is, and another great example of this is pets, isn't it? Especially dogs. Yeah. yeah. You go out and spend 15 minutes walking. No, not especially a dog. A dog, no. Cats. Yeah. 
No. I love having this discussion with you. Cats are aggravating. Oh my God. I'm, I'm going to stick my cats on you. Yeah. I, yeah, I believe it. And they'd go for it too. But okay. So what about a dog? Yes. But pets in general, go ahead. Tell me. You take that walk, you play fetch with a dog for five or 10 minutes and that's, you know, God, just scratch a dog's belly for a minute. And that's what, that's all you are. That's all you're doing. And, and, and that's one of those moments where everything drops and you're just dealing with that and just building on that, doing it. And like you said, just taking a breath or focusing in one place, you know, yesterday I went for a slice of pizza and just sit down and have a slice of pizza. And, you know, for you know just 20 minutes where you're just not doing anything else. Right. And doing those small increments and learning how to do that and learning how to build those moments gives you the ability and the skill to do it for longer frames yeah. of time. Yes. And that, that's why I said, whether it's four hours of golf or one minute at a time, if you're taking that one minute and your body starts to know what that feels like, it's like, oh, that's worth the one minute and another minute, another minute. And it's just, it's worthwhile. And people, you know, if you say 10 minutes, people will say, oh, it's too long, but you just do one minute and then, oh, that feels good. And it's, you know, it's like going to the gym, I'll go for five minutes and you're there for an hour. Right. It's just like yeah. all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I can do this because it feels right or good or all of the above the right. gym is good too because the gym demands your focus it, it you know i mean you can want your mind can wander a little bit but it just basically it you have to be there you know, yes doing that. otherwise you'll be there forever <laughs> well exactly oh i see i do see people that are there forever but because they're very social which is yeah. fine because if that's gives if that's giving a person some sense of purpose and grounding and presence hey that's what they need. That's perfect. Um, you know, I see them work out like 40 hot seconds and then <laughs> do whatever they do for socialization, which is fine. Cause that's what some people need. Yep. But as long as, as long as you're feeling like you're re reducing down your level of stress and taking care of yourself. And and again, going back to the concept of how many people feel like it's selfish to take time for oneself because of the perception that they'll be, that they're taking how, you know, how dare they, or, or, you know, I, I will get, and I, and I think you just saw this post on my Facebook page the other day, probably about like, you know, just because I'm not posting everything on social media, right. That yeah. doesn't mean not doing things. Um, two or three years ago, I stopped posting lots of things for a variety of reasons. But one of the reasons was because if I'm working, I was posting because it was, you know, I just was doing that as a way for me to also help with my charities and all that stuff. But, you know, I often would get people saying you're away again, as if that was some bad thing, like that I yeah. was doing something. How dare I be? Oh, you just went to the beach again, or you just went to, I'm like, well, I'm working. But people have the commentaries and I just got like, you know what? I'm just not going to share anymore because it's not worth it to me to have someone having that judgment on me when I, yeah, I'm going places. But as you know, it's like, well, this is what I do for a living. I travel with athletes. I travel with, you know, THB now I travel with big cat. I try and people are just like, Oh, you're on vacation again. Well, I, I mean, it's in a nice place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, we don't, we don't go to like some third world country to do these things. I can't help it. Yeah. Well, social media invites judgment and, and it's bad for the person being participating in the judgment and it's the bad for the target of the judgment as well. Right. That's why social media can be very toxic. Well, yes. And so the, to that point, that's another part of the self-care is if you have social media and, you know, what you, you know, this, what I've done is that I keep it very business oriented instead of anything really personal. So I keep it like even that post the other day was more about, you know, giving the 
information about like, hey, just because people aren't out there doesn't mean they're not doing things or that, you know, it's not entertaining. It's just, I don't have, you know, what, what do people do on social media? They put up the things that they don't put up their bad stuff. Everyone puts up good stuff. Like if I post a picture from up here in Big Sky, yeah, right. But it also then yeah. draws in, which, you know, I haven't posted anything because I don't want to draw that in. But people obviously will hear this and that's fine. But I also know I'm cognizant of the fact that if I'm talking about this, I'm pulling for people to have comments, which is fine because that means I'm prepared, I'm present for it. And I know, but I also know that, hey, it's okay what I'm doing. I have done the work in my head that everyone needs a break. Everyone needs to have reset time. And that's about, you know, all these little pieces of self-care. There's so many different ways to do it. Good eating, good exercise, good sleep, good spiritual health and spiritual, not religious, you know, just being like, hey, I'm going to be present today for something. I'm going to do something for myself today. Just letting yourself do that, whether it's a vacation or just that one minute of. <sighs> right. Yep. What are you doing for self-care? What am I doing for self-care? Yes. Working, earning a living. <laughs> self-care. That's different well, than financial care. It, it kind of is because it's relieving the stress. One of the main stressors is financial. Everyone's going through it. You know, one of the yes. main stresses is just making sure the bills are paid and things like that. Because that it makes it difficult for me to release and relax when I've got pending issues, right? Absolutely. Well, financial financial stress is one of the number one stressors for people in general to make that that fight or flight system constantly up or some have someone not do well physically or have you know heart issues heart attacks is that that financial financial pressure over time over and over never being out of it or feeling like you're never going to get out of it, it puts that, that strain on it, it's funny because as i'm processing this i have this running joke in the kitchen because <clears throat> people always give me a hard time because I basically wash dishes while I cook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Washing. And they always, what are you doing? And you can wash them afterwards. And the food tastes better when the work's done. You know? That's right. That's <laughs> it's, right. A, it's a running joke, but that's what it is for me. So the, it's one of the main structures of my ability to be able to detach is to take care of responsibility, get right. that done, get it out of the way. And then that's, that's one less uh, knocking on the door. It's one less, pecking it's one last nibbling at my peace of mind that i've i've done what i'm supposed to do well yeah and, it, and it, so it allows you also to be very present because you know i call them the little monsters on your back is you know when you're procrastinating if you're you know taking your example you cook a meal or you cook something and you leave all the dishes around and they're still sitting there you're just you, you know i mean i know people that just bypass dishes and just you know buy bypass garbage, stuff on the floor, like, yeah. but that's, that subconsciously is still sitting on your head or on your, or unless you just completely diffuse the responsibility, which some people can over to like assuming someone else will do it for you, right. um, which is a whole different issue that we could talk about <laughs> entitlement, yes. um, you know, that in that's still sitting on you. It's like, Oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. But that later is always sitting on your head. Yeah. And every that, time you walk past the sink, those dishes are staring at you. Right. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do it now. You know, I don't want to Plus, do I mean, it. Now. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Taking advantage of those moments. I'm in work mode. I'm cooking and I can clean at the same time. I'm active and I'm doing stuff uh, an hour after the meal and I'm walking by the sink. I may not want to do the dishes at all at that point. And then exactly. it gets to the problem. And, and I think that when you get into a good habit, that is, that's in that self-care because you're allowing for yourself to enjoy your meal 
after you've made it and then not have to deal with some, you know, other than put your dish in the dishwasher or whatever it is, you're not really having to do anything else. That's why, you know, we've talked about this at the holidays when people do all that big over the top stuff for holidays, that's great. And at the same time, that's one of the biggest stressors is the after the afterness of it, because there's so much to do unless, you know, in, you know, I'm a firm believer in prepping everything way before so that there's no issue. So it's like a normal dinner that you're just serving and then you're just cleaning up from really quickly. So you're not doing like this whole long extended all day thing, which is why I'm like, it's just a day. Yes. It's a Forget about after when you're doing like this holiday planning, the week yeah. before can be killer. You know, just the stress yeah. of, of feeling the responsibility and having that weight on your shoulders and well, it transfers to everybody else. Well, what is the, what is the responsibility? It goes back to everything about this show is the, the pressure of the perception, the thought you have in your head about what's going to be perceived. How am I going to feel? Who's coming? Who's going to judge all these things that go away from self-care? Like, you know what? I don't have to make four vegetables. Why? Just because it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever it is, or Hanukkah, or why do I have to make all this extra? Why can't I just make a regular non-stressful meal, which I've, you and I talked about this last year, especially like, it's just another day. So why do, why would I normally do, if I did prime rib, it's so weird, right? We're talking about this. But if I did prime rib today, or, I would elk. Do, or elk, yes, yeah. I had elk. Yeah. Um, if I did prime rib or elk today and I do it on Christmas, why would I do anything different than I like today? I would just do it with like a baked potato and like string beans. Why do I then have to make mashed potatoes, stuffing, cranberry sauce, carrots, peas, tuna? I mean, why not just do normal? But people go wee over the top and it's like, and I get special traditions and all that, but it, what it does, I think, especially, I don't know, as, as social cultural changes have happened with people and everyone's so intense about things, why add more pressure to your life? It's funny, it's people are doing that a lot of times for family and putting that impression on of the table when they sit down. Yep. And that, that used to be the main driver. And I'm guessing a lot, a lot of the driver now is the Instagram shot, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they're not even doing it for family. They're doing it for the Instagram posts. You know, that shot of the table before everybody eats. Yep. And I, and I, and I do that. Yeah. I have no shame in saying like, absolutely. I set the table and I'm like, mm, I but there's a difference that. between that being a perk of the work and that being the purpose of the work. Right. 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 Yeah. If you if you do it for the purpose of taking the shot, then it's different. If because you want to impress, but if you just it's just a perk of it, absolutely. Because I feel like it's a perk. Like, oh, it's a holiday, and I'm dressing the table nice, kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, it's like I did a good I job. I did a good job. I'm proud of it. Let's let's take this picture and post it up. Well, I think that's the difference. And people are probably think maybe thinking like, what's that have to do with self care? That's actually self care because you're doing like I actively say, you know, to to John, I'll say like he'll be like, why are you going all that effort? I'm like, because I like it for me. Yeah. I like that. You know, I only do this a few times a year like this. I always set a nice table in general, but for a holiday, I'm like, I do this for me because it makes me feel closer to childhood or like for myself. And I'm like, I don't care what anyone else says. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know, you, know, like you put 17 hours of time into doing it and then everyone's done in a half an hour and you're like, Ugh. I've, I've had this thought while we've been talking about this or I've worked towards it while we've talked about it. It gets to another area of of uh, mental health that people are have a stigma of it being selfish and that's setting boundaries. I mean, this is basically yes. what we're talking about, right? Uh, yes. the, the boundary of taking care of ourselves to the extent where we're 
uh, viable and not overly stressed. Yes, exactly. And not having to live, well, it goes back to the chaos at the beginning of the show, right? Chaos and, and that stress level. If you're, are you, are you constantly per perpetuating it because it's what you know versus mm -hmm. saying like, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this anymore because I don't have to. And people have a hard time letting go of that. First of all, people have a hard time being aware and recognizing that they're in that pattern because they know what they know. When they do recognize it, which let's say 50% of people will recognize and are aware that they have this and they can change it. Right. So only 50%. I'm probably too high on that. But, you know, and then and then maybe 10% of the 50% will do something about it. And I think that's even high. You know what I mean? Because it's not about not wanting to. It's about I don't know how to. This is what I've lived with all my life. This is how I am. Nothing changes because that's part of the thought process that generates the lack of self-care or not, the, not putting the up the boundary. If you are conflict averse, the first thought you have is trying to, well, it's not the first thought you have, but you eventually come around to the point where you feel like you have to manage your own reactions yes. to um, uh, mitigate the damage of the conflict. Right. And that usually requires what uh, what is perceived as withdrawal because yes. you have to kind of detach yourself from the emotions of the moment. So you just kind of pull back a little bit and uh, people around you see that as withdrawal and that invites more conflict because people will not let you withdraw. No, no. Because no. they take that as a personal affront. Right. Yeah. Like where, where are you going? Why do you need to do that? What's right. going on? Right. And so, or that, you know, that's hurting them somehow. Right. Well that, and that's to my point of like me going away. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean you're going away? What do you mean? It's two weeks. What do you mean? I can't contact you. And that's across, not just patients. That's like across yeah. my board. Like, what? And I'm like, I'm only talking to Lou and here I am talking to Lou. This is the thing I, <laughs> I said. Feel, I, I feel honored. I know. Right. But you get into these day-to-day -day situations and these dynamics with people where you eventually learn that you have to control your response to these situations right. and controlling your response usually just aggravates the situation, at least at first. That's something you have to be pre prepared for when you're setting boundaries. Boundaries are limiting the uh, options of other people. Yes. In, in yes. regards to life, limiting access to you. And very few people react well to that. Exactly. I mean, I actually have people in my life over this past week that when I was getting ready to go, told me that if I left, they were going to die. I said, you will not die. You yeah. will not die. But it feels like that to them. And and my response is, you know, and I we're, well, laughing. we're talking about it because that's your profession. But there are people who send that message to other people on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And that's and that that's to my point is that if if like I'm showing that as an example of that it's, this is how people feel that, you know, that they can't not have you present or can't not have, you know, they can't go to your well. And, and, you know, and so. Oh, that's a great term. I love that. They can't go to your well. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. And, 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 and I'm, you know, me, I'm very straightforward with, you know, if you don't, you know, if I don't go away and fill up my well, you can't come to my well anyway, because I don't have anything to give you. And so they don't like that either, but they get it. So, you know, and, and the way I am with my patients and even my per, uh, um, personal life is that I, you know, I'm very much about, well, this is how it is. And if I, t if I always say, if I was to die, then what would you do? You know, and it's usually that, oh my God, it's like, no, because, you know, like, well, this is probably, 
you know, a little glib, but um, everyone's expendable. Everyone, you know, you have to maintain your own self-care so that you're happy because, and not reliant on the fact that other people need you. You have to be able to be happy, self-sustaining, and then know that you're expendable, that like everybody has, everyone goes on, everyone moves on, everyone has to live their life and you can't be living it through someone else or because you are, are leaning so heavily on someone else or their, their support. This is advanced awareness, but I think people who are spend a lot of time filling up other people's buckets have to understand that some people have no bottom to the buckets and that, right. and that it's futile. But I, I think people who are overly stressed, people. yeah, people who are overly stressed by this are running into people or have a lot of people in their lives like that. And, yes. you know, it's so hopefully that gives you more motivation to take care of yourself because, right. again, it's not making a hell of a lot of difference one way or the other. You you wearing yourself down to try to fill that bucket because the bucket's not going to be filled. That's it's part of that responsibility is their own filling their own bucket. And and that's and I think that that's the difference. You know, I I my my grandmother who I always call I always said she gave me my emotional yummies. My grandmother was really good at um, filling up her own bucket to be able to take care of others. Cause she was a big caretaker. And of course there's people in my family that would disagree with that because I would say they were bigger takers than givers. And yeah. so the more she would take care of herself, the more she would be considered selfish, which I would be compared to sometimes if I was taking care of myself, like you're just like your grandmother. And I was like, that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> because, because in the healthy realm and when you're thinking rationally, reasonably and realistic, it's, yeah, when you put a boundary up to someone to say, I can't help you with that right now, or I can't help you at all, you know, people are like, what do you mean? How can that be? But well, this is the boundary that comes because you have to learn how to take care of yourself. I can't always do it for you. And people don't like that because for not just because they're bad people or not because they're bad people, it's just because they don't have the skill. They don't have the coping strategy because they've been so reliant on lean on others. And that, you know, it's the dependency, the codependency, the lack of skill taught growing up, um, or just, you know, reliant on outside sources, external, external, external. And that's a rut that's been worn deep in those situations yeah. as well. So it's very hard to extract yourself from it, right. but it, re it requires, again, reprioritizing yourself and also, um, giving yourself permission to set the boundaries and giving yourself the strength to set the boundaries yes. and right. prioritizing your own self health enough to be able to set the boundaries. Right. And, and knowing that you're, you're worthwhile enough and that you deserve to have that self health because you didn't have it or you didn't know that maybe growing up or you weren't allowed to have it, you know, in some cases yeah. um, that, you know, it's kind of like when kids grow up with the, you know, parents that will say, Oh, you know, you're only, you're seven. What do you have to be worried about? Or you, and I, I just had someone last week say that to me about their five-year-old. I said, well, they have five-year-old worries. So they have a lot to worry about if they say to you that they're worried or they're anxious, which this little kid does. I said, well, what do they have to be anxious about? They, you know, whatever yeah. their five-year-old worry is, it's just because it's not, either, you know, and the parents like, oh, but they don't have to pay bills. No, but they have five-year-old worries. What right. are they? You know, or the little kid also often says, I'm bored. And the parent will say to me, they can't be bored. I'm like, they're telling you they're bored because they're bored. That means that they need engagement. They need connection. They're looking for connection, but people, you know, this isn't just with one parent, but I'm using the example that you hear it all the time that oh, how can they be bored? They have all these toys because that's not connection. 
Boredom is boredom is I'm lonely. Boredom is I'm looking for you to give me attention. Boredom, you know, so that's and it all ties in. So people understand it all ties into why do people seek out then food for 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 comfort? Why do people then seek out relationships that are bad for them for comfort? Because they'll go to whatever gives them anything that fills up the cup. Right. When when there's a lack of positive energy, negative energy will do. Exactly. Anything that will fill the cup up doesn't matter how it gets there. Will will do. And in response, and, and almost the opposite of that is people who are looking for attention from you will look for positive attention. When they don't get it, they'll take negative attention. Right, right. Or they, Well, and that's when they, I call it leaking out. Well, they'll leak out or act out to get what they need. And usually it's not, you know, not something happy for them because, you know, if they have someone that reinforces them all the time, that's one thing. But if you have a person with good boundaries, they're not going to get it. So then they go to go elsewhere. Which isn't self-care, by the way. No. Self-sabotage. Yeah. But but it's it just, you know, they keep getting it over and over, like bad patterns in relationships over and over and over. Bad relationships with food over and over. Right. Someone wants to lose weight, but they keep eating Oreos. I, I often find it funny with parenting, too, because we're all the victims of long-standing patterns coming out of our upbringing. Right. Uh, we're all dealing with the damage of those longstanding patterns. And yet we don't pay enough attention in parenting early. A lot of people don't pay enough attention in parenting early to avoid those same patterns and not recreating the same patterns, but creating patterns with their kids that are, that end up in negative results because exactly. they're not willing to put the time in at two or three, you know, to engage the kid or to, by the way, to set the boundary. It's all right to set boundaries with kids too, by the way. In fact, it's a good thing. It teaches them how to do it. But well, you, know, exactly. when you don't have, you know, and you and I've talked about this as many things is that, you know, your 16 year old problem started when they were three and four. Right. Right. It was, you know, the overindulgence, the entitlement, the lack of no, all these things. And then you wonder why this is still continuing or this is now escalated to that point. So, so self-care, right. self-care is parenting. Right? Other than so, a big, other than a big vacation to big sky. What are some of the small things that people can do to get started to to create these spaces and, and engage and improve their self-care? So, on a, well, starting out with that one minute little thing in the morning, maybe taking just a presence of once you get up in the morning, take one minute or, you know, spending time on one particular sense all day long. Like I'm going to only look for things today or really listen to things today or smell things today so that someone's focusing just at that practice. Um, little things during the day, like go outside and just take, you know, five deep breaths. Um, something really small to start if someone's not able to think about, well, how am I going to do that? Cause they think it's got to be something big, like a vacation. You don't have to do that. Or even when you sit down to eat, instead of eating, looking at your phone or doing something like that is really sitting down and just tasting everything and really focusing on that for 20, 30 minutes or even 10 minutes instead, you know, or staying off social media while you're doing it. So just little changes in your moment to moment that you can move on. Isn't, uh, isn't a little drive a big help too? I think I, I often think yes. getting out in the car, that's, that's a really important place to me and you get the music going and you just take some back roads and yes, just anything. spend an extra 15 minutes. Yeah. Anything that changes the scenery. So remember back last year and during the pandemic, we had a few listeners that I had said, you know, just get out of the house. You don't have to go and like go to a store, just go out and drive somewhere different and see something different, roll the windows down, get some fresh air. 10, 15 minutes, an hour long drive. Perfect. 
Absolutely. Just getting scenery. Absolutely. Yeah. Or going to the beach. It's a long way home. You know? If you, I mean, well, so here, well, we'll have to do this on a different show, but you know, he, he, one of the issues now is people are staying home still and yeah. lots of people are going to stay home. So they're not getting out moving like the client I was telling you about other than the bike ride. And he still wears this whole facial gear thing. So that's not helpful. Um, yeah. But you know, it's really just getting out to change things, but just a little bit at home every day of just, I'm going to take one minute today to breathe one minute. <laughs> and I'm not being facetious about the one minute. Just take one minute because if you say five, then it becomes too much for people. You'll be breathing at Yellowstone today. I will be. Yeah. I will be. I'm jealous. Well, I'll send you a picture. Yeah, please. You're on, you're on my list of people I will text. <laughs> If you find a moose, I mean, send them along. If I find the moose, I'm on that mission so that I beat before you. I did actually, I did tell you, right, that I did see a moose. Oh, but I, refresh I, saw the, I saw the back end of him. So I don't really count that. So Why it was, not? well, because I didn't see his face. Okay. So I did, that's not the same thing. And it was night and it was the back end of him. So. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's the moose. I know it was his ass end. It was good. Yeah, well. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so the show will go live next week at a different time. Lou will be so generous as to post that up for everyone to get the alert because I will still be away taking yes. my self-care moments and um, Lou will keep everyone informed. You will get alerts. And in the meantime, spend one moment today uh, doing something for yourself and filling up your cup so that you can help others if you really want to. Right. Have fun today. We'll talk next week. All right. Thanks, Lou.